Thank you for listening to the following films podcast. Today I'm joined by writer-director Robbie Banfitched. I had him on the show today to talk about his film, The Outwaters, which is currently available in theaters nationwide. Hope you enjoy the show. I think I should be now. How are you doing today, Robbie? Oh, I'm swell. <laughs> Excellent. Thank you so much for taking the time to do this, man. I really appreciate it. Thank you. Um, the first thing I was struck by in this film was the pacing of it, because there's this brilliant thing you do with the opening cards, um, which set up an inevitability. And then you kind of play that out to the point where you almost just almost forget about where this thing is heading because you enjoy hanging out and spending time with these characters. So when it takes that turn, it makes it so much harder and so much more human than you see in a lot of films like this. Can you talk a little bit about uh, finding the structure in this film? Yeah. I uh, thank you, first of all. And I guess you, you've seen Cujo. Of course. Yeah. Yeah. Uh, one of my favorite films, I think the last half hour of that is so stressful and terrifying and emotionally wonderful. And it's because the first hour is getting to know Dee Wallace's character and the family. And they tried to take, the studio tried to take like 20 minutes out of it so they could get to the horror quicker. And then the audience reaction during test screenings was much less scared. So that always stuck with me knowing that. Um, um, but in terms of the structure, I thought three cards, three memory cards would build a little suspense, but it's also a cute nod to the three act structure, <laughs> um, especially because at times this film can feel like it does not have uh, a structure, but um, thought it'd be a fun way to have three acts and suspense. Because every time a card comes up, you're like, oh. Uh-oh. Well, you did something really smart by saying that this is chronological. So there's no, it's just, this is the order that these events happened when they happen to turn on these cameras. And this is just what was there that day. And if you ever go through your photos after a trip or anything like that, it has that feel to it where it does have a random nature, but it never feels like there's anything that's excessive or anything that's um, extraneous that could be removed from this because it does feel like everything that's here is on purpose while feeling completely random, which is a tough thing to pull off, man. Thank you. Yeah, no, there's a, it was always my like thought that not enough found footage. If the move, if the footage is actually found, there will be stuff on it that doesn't have anything to do with the horror. So that was always part of my um, idea. I wanted to feel very PC and slice of life. Um, That said, I did try to keep, everything in it does have a purpose although um but it it that took a couple years to to find the right balance and and stuff but it was fun so i'm glad a you couple, some people you know can just look at it and be like what is shit <laughs> well but, i mean when people appreciate that side of it well the, the that dismissive side of it that that's that's fine that's I accept that because they're not going to take the time to get something that's really interesting, unusual, and special, really, for lack of a better word, about this film. So, oh, sorry. No, no, please go ahead. I'm also a big fan of like doom and omens and like an air of unease. So, I just, mm-hmm. I loved having all this ordinary stuff and just having like kind of doom hanging over it. Um, yeah. It, it really does work because you know where 
this is you don't know how it's getting there, but something is on the horizon. It's like if you you pick up it's the reason that Stephen King works because you picked up the title of this book and you know you know something horrible is going to happen on this because of the author or because of you know the cover of this thing, but then you spend 150, 250, 350 pages before you get to anything like that, even remotely close to that. And if you've read Cujo, it's very similar in that sense. And you know, the the only thing that would have been impossible in that particular story was to get the dog's point of view really well, which is the tragedy that's in that book that you see, which almost has a flowers for Algernon element to it, where you can see the dog losing its mind, which is something anyway, that's besides the point, but that was my my first Stephen King book was Cujo. I think I read it when I was seven or eight. I I love it. It's and I had the same thing where it's way too young to have been reading. It wasn't, I think it was actually, it was one of the collections for me. And I, think it was skeleton crew i'm pretty sure it was one yeah, of those I, yeah. I need it's, some i need to get reading it i was a huge dean Koontz fan when i was little okay so the first novel i ever read was servants of twilight by dean Koontz. yeah so yeah, yeah i was way too young for that <laughs> I was like seven, I think. yeah have you read and i'll get back on point in a second but have you read the jaunt no Stephen King short story. Do yourself a favor. Go find it tonight. You you can. What collection it. is it in? I think it's in Night Shift. It's either Night Shift or Skeleton Crew. I'm trying to remember, and it is one of it's twenty pages, and it's one of the most effective short stories I've ever read. It's just it will, yeah. I, I still think about it every once in a while, where it's just that that exists in the world. This piece of literature, and it just yeah. Really, really unnerving stuff. Fantastic. I'll snag that. I'm in, I am in New York City, so I can find it, and I have some need some stuff for the airport. Excellent. Um, but with this film, I think one of the main things that really does make this work, when you're adding to the dread of this and that tension building that's happening slowly, you have these touches of sound design that come in throughout the piece early on, and they kind of have hints of it throughout up until when it's really essentially like a main part of the film and um, beyond just the visuals. Can you talk a little bit about the sound design of this? Cause it's it found footage. You have an element where it's the sound design is intentionally kind of off where it's not balanced from scene to scene and cutting, but it, it doesn't feel balanced here either. So it does feel like it's actually um, it does feel like this is the actual sound, but there's these little, layers and little touches underneath that really do add to the emotion of the piece. It was all just uh, experimentation. And once I realized that you can go so many places and change the whole mood of a scene with just a little sound, then I was like, oh shit, I'm going to have to edit this for another couple of years then. But um, yeah, this is my first foray into sound design. So it was just really fun to explore. And again, I like putting those little little things under the, the first half uh, for that Omen and Doom vibe. But oh, there was something I wanted to say about... Oh, I, I can't remember it. There was something I wanted to say, but oh well. With just about the sound itself, or was it something outside something of that? The sound design, but I, I cannot recall. How long did you spend making this because you've mentioned a couple years on this how what was the production like for this when did you shoot this shot in like either 2018 or 2019 i honestly can't remember i think 2019 and then i shot 2020 2021 2022 right up until panic fest (laughs) 
<laughs> I may have even shot right up until delivery. I just like, I keep getting ideas and, you know, want to put them in or, or test them. So, um, but the main shoot, there was two big shoots and, and a bunch of little shoots. Most of the majority of the time was spent like playing with sound design, honestly. Okay. And is this something at this point or have you let go of the film or do you still have ideas that do come to you where you say, you know, I could tweak this one thing. I could add this thing. Do you I see have those? Some, I have some ideas. However, I let go of the film as soon as I delivered it to Cinedyne, mm-hmm. uh, which was a difficult moment to be like, oh God, I can't change it anymore. This is the movie. Um, but that's good for you. Cause I've never had a deadline before, uh, when it comes to delivering movies. So, um, but yeah, I still get some ideas, but there will never be a director's, a different version. Um, I like, I'm a purist in the sense I like there to be one version of a movie. And if I, if there is multiple versions of a movie that I love, I pick one and that's what I show my friends. And that's, that's, uh, I just, I don't want there to be all these different versions of a movie. I'm very similar in that way. Do you usually go to the original version that you saw or are you open to going and seeing and possibly seeing what the director's original vision was it or something along those lines? Oh, I always try to watch, if I really love a movie, I try to watch all versions okay. and then I pick the one that I like the best, whether it's the director's cut or not, to show my friends. So for example, Fatal Attraction, I show my friends most of the movie and then I switch to the original ending um, which isn't actually like a, I, I, it's a deleted, deleted sequence, but I just switch it over and show them that like, as if the original ending is still intact. Uh, Cause it's a much better film that way. It's like perfect that way. How, what's the original ending for it? The original ending is she kills herself in front of him and it's very, Ooh. it's very perfect and true to the rest of the film. I know Glenn Close wanted that to be the original ending. That's she made the whole movie you know, no thinking that would be how it ends. Um, and they came in and the studio wanted them to do some kind of fight thing and spice it up. So um, it's a much better, I mean, even with the original ending, it's like a nine out of 10, but it, it, it's, it's amazing if you watch it the way it was supposed to be. Well, thematically, that just makes sense. Not only the, with the elements of mental illness, but it gives her agency over what happens in the ending of that, which is something that's kind of stripped away from her. And she is completely the one that's in control that whole film. It's amazing. Just get the Blu-ray switch over. Um, You have to do a little research to figure out where, but switch over at a certain point to the original ending. And it's way more. It's it's full art that way. Okay. Excellent. I I, I will absolutely do that. 100%. I I love those little experiments like that. You want to watch it again. Like right now. (laughs) It's so good. Well, you could watch it on, well, you know, I'm surprised by what people watch on planes sometimes um, and uh, what there's on those large screens that you have now that I've, some of the things I've looked over and seen, I'm, I, I'm not somebody that's approved, but I've definitely been uh, surprised by what I've seen on planes in the last, you know, three years at this I point. I stopped watching stuff on planes for some things that I was watching. I was like, no, no, this is not, yeah. Especially <laughs> not the place. Yeah, no. Yeah, I, I think it's, it, and it's that it's either, I just don't want to be the one that there's a kid looking over and the first time they see something gruesome or anything, I don't, I don't want to own that. that. That's not on me. Someone so. was watching Dahmer on the plane next to me like last month. And I mean, I didn't care because I was like, oh, I haven't seen this now. I can kind of like take a peek. But I mean, I can't imagine watching Dahmer on a plane, but shout out to that 
lady. I wonder what the Venn diagram of people that watch that shit on airplanes and take off their shoes in the airplane is. If that's like a complete just overlap 100% where they're not aware of any of the people around them, or do you think there's any separation between those two people? I have a photo from um, a few years ago when someone put their big toe through the um, wedge of a seat on a train, just like their, their full up big toe. So I don't know what's wrong with these people. I I agree. The, I have two sons and I think one of my goals in life as having done a good job as a parent is that they understand two things. One is to never take your shoes off on public transportation. And the other is to just put your shopping cart back. If I've done those two things, I think they're okay. Oh, I don't put my shopping cart back. (laughs) Sorry. I got 50%. So okay with that, but um, I I will in the future. I'm sorry to for the digression on this because I really did enjoy this film and it's something I that I want people to know about the original ending of Fatal Attraction. That's why I made the Outwaters. Um, well then, job well done. I, <laughs> I, I think if I go through all of the interviews and press that you're doing for this for uh, for this film, and if I'm able to put together a supercut of just you going through and mentioning Fatal Attraction 20, 30, 40 times, that would be pretty unbelievable. Thing. What's it's that? You, you got the scoop. I haven't talked to you about that. <laughs> I appreciate that. I, I cannot, I can definitely put that and, you know, maybe Deadline will pick this up based on that alone. Thank God. <laughs> awesome. Well, thank you so much for taking the time to do this today. I do appreciate it. I, despite all this, I really did enjoy the film. I had a, it has an ending that is so impactful, which is something that you don't see in a lot of horror um, where you are deeply invested in these characters. And by the time the shit hits the fan in this thing that you do not want, you're pushing against the movie. And that's the best sign of a thriller or a horror film to me, that if you don't want these things to happen, that you've done something right. So I've really dug it, man. Thanks a lot. Appreciate it. I'm glad you liked it. Absolutely. And uh, check out the jaunt, if nothing else. Maybe jaunt. That, the jaunt. Yeah. I think you'll enjoy it. Cool. Thank awesome. you, love. And I am one of the person, the people who would watch Dharma on a plane. I chose not to have to. <clears throat> I don't care about other people who did. Sorry, but I would not take my shoes off. That's disgusting. That's uh, that's foul. Like, <laughs> it's absolutely I, I, foul. I, I, and I would not engage with it. But I get to watch serial killers on planes. Sorry, Dad. You're just going to have to. I mean, my no, I was watching was- alongside, but. <laughs> I hadn't seen it yet, so I was like, ooh, this is Dahmer. I've like, been meaning to watch it. <laughs> I was watching VHSs of horror films in a, a compound in Saudi Arabia at the age of six or seven, like lipstick the, lipstick, the rape revenge film in Children of the Corn. My parents were not paying attention. Come on. Your kids are fine. <laughs> oh, oh, no, 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 no. I, I mean, you look through all the Blu-rays that are on my wall that my kids have complete access to and they can watch anything they want <laughs> and I will not care. I just don't want that responsibility of somebody else's kids. If I'm fucking yeah, up my yeah. own kids, that's my that's my thing. So I just don't want to do it to somebody else. That's all. Exactly. Well, you're going to make them magic. You're going to make them like us. Thank I you, my so. love. Take care, Emma. Good to see you again. Bye. Nice to meet you, Robbie. Nice to meet you.